welcome to the Mo Podcast. A place where individual stories come to life. This is how we need to be communicating with people. This is how we support people's personal development. It's important to speak about people believing in people. The more you're able to let go of your limitation, the more you step into your power, your inner authentic power. Mo, a place for me, others, everyone. Hello and welcome again to another episode of the MoPod Ventures podcast. So we are really, really excited today to be welcoming Alex and Kat, who are going to be having the most stimulating conversation um, about the flexibility of a location when it comes to coaching, how a radical diary can sort of change your perspective on how much time you have in the week. As always, we talk about the uniqueness of coaching and how different people structure their businesses. We'll go way back to her humble beginnings in 2010, uh, when she first experienced coaching, and some of her top tips on getting started as a coach, how to build that client base, and how to help people live deliberately. I hope that you really enjoy today's episode, and do let us know if you've found something that resonates with you by contacting us either on our socials or via email. We'd love to hear from you. Now we welcome Katrina Hori onto the podcast after her and I have got our best animal noise (laughs) icebreaker out of the way. Um, Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, I was slightly nervous you were going to make me do that on air, but uh, it was certainly a good warm up for us. So it's good to be here. And for everyone listening, Cat's Animal was... uh, originally introduced as a gorilla ended up being like oh or is that a parrot and mine was a <laughs> sheep but you you'll have to ask us if you ever get us in person or on call because it's not going to come out on the podcast now um so cat tell us a little bit about who you are without referencing a job title your age or your relation to anybody else oh that's a good question so not age not job titles so who am i i I'm a curious soul. I think I'm someone that's pretty kind. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I enjoy delighting in the world. I enjoy nature, beauty, um, diversity of people, um, travel. Um, so I guess I'm quite, I'm someone that's quite just likes exploring both with individuals, um, groups of people, but also, yeah, the world itself. Um, it's an interesting question when you take away relationships, because I'm very used to kind of explaining myself in that way. So I won't do that. Age is fine to leave. <laughs> um, what I, I guess the things I enjoy as well, maybe, uh, about four or five months ago, I joined, uh, a community choir in Battersea, the Battersea Power Station Community Choir. And that is giving me so much joy in life. Every week I go, I just come back full of joy. Um, it's brilliant. Um, I help uh, reception age kids uh, learn to read at local school, uh, love Pilates. So yeah, I guess those are some things about me. Is that the kind of thing you were looking yeah, for? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we've got a real in- insight into who you are and where we might find you uh, oh. in a typical week. And with that, personal introduction out out of the way or not Mm. out of the way uh lovingly lovingly (laughs) shared Uh, give a give us an overview of your portfolio career as it is in this moment Mm, in this moment yeah so i would say i work part of the week like half of the week and i do other things half of the week so mondays i'm very lucky to have off um and in that time i do some sport and then i also go and see people in person and i think after the, the pandemic um and just my character i've really missed seeing people in person so i go and have coffees with people um particularly people i haven't, haven't seen for a while or people i've never met maybe i've just met online just to kind of learn about a what's going on in their lives but also what's going on in the world um i've spent the last five or six years um with small kids and so it's nice to kind of you know really hear what's going on now in the world and then tuesdays to thursdays i i work um and i work as a leadership and life coach so i'd say in terms of that probably probably 75 to 80 percent of that is with private clients um so they are typically people who are looking to redefine their 
personal and professional priorities and then embrace that new um, that new chapter that they want to embark on. So um, there's also the leadership side of things, which is usually working with people in organizations, um, helping them to think about what their how they want to be as leaders and, and then actually helping them do that. So it's both the being and the doing. Um, those tend to be people uh, involved with social innovation, with the environment, charities, social enterprise schools. Um, and I've also had some more kind of typical co corporate clients as well. Um, so I'd say the majority of my work is coaching. I do some facilitation from time to time, um, some training from time to time, uh, and also uh, co-host a, a podcast uh, with a friend uh, called Unfurling, um, in which we look at random topics from economics to patients to beauty to language, but through the lens of the natural world. So I think at the moment that's what I'm doing with my work time. And then Fridays, I'm very lucky that I get to spend that with my four-year-old. Um, so he's off to school in September, so that's in six months' time. And uh, so I'm really, I've always enjoyed that time anyway, but I'm really cherishing it right now because I know, I know that it's finite. Good. Brilliant. Thank you for that overview. And if the coaching happens Tuesday to Thursday, mm. would you elaborate a bit more on how you structure your week or who you've consciously chosen to configure mm. that work week? Yeah. Well, it's something I've had to, I've had to learn how to do. And, and having chill, I've got two small boys, one's six, one's four. And that's really actually helped me be much more boundaries about things. So I remember when I st started coaching, I had, I, I still use a paper diary. I'm, I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful tip I had from yeah. a coach once that have a big A4 paper diary, which you can't take out with you. And then you can't um, commit to things immediately. So you can say, let Ooh. me come back to you about this. And then you go back home and you see, actually, can I do that? Or do I want to do that later? Or do I want to do it at all? Anyway, I, I remember when I started coaching, I was available, I think, from about seven in the morning till six at night, Mondays to Fridays. And I would have all these random clients across my week. And it would just be not at all strategic. And um, now I'm very clear that I work between 8.30 and 3. And, and there are blocks of sessions within that time. Um, I normally coach for an hour at a time. Uh, and the first session's two hours, so it's a bit longer. Um, and I always make sure I've got half an hour between sessions. So it's not, you know, I, I'm sure I could fit in a lot more, but actually, for me personally, you know, it does take energy to coach and to be really present with people. Definitely. And so uh, I find that setup works really well for me. And yeah, it gives me, I think also with coaching, so much is important about who we are as people, as coaches. It's not just the skills that we've learned and all the techniques and the different models we know. Um, and so for me personally, it's about making sure I have time for my family, um, for friends, for people I haven't even met yet, um, and myself. Wicked. There's so much there that I want to, I want to dive into, uh, but just what you, what you last mentioned, thinking of uh, coaching taking, taking energy. Mm. How many sessions do you feel you can have per day before you feel like you're not coaching at the level that you want to be coaching at? Personally, I'd say three. Yeah, I mean, I've done four. I think I've done four. I don't think I've ever gone to five. But four's okay, but I notice it. I notice it at that point. I think yeah. three is, for me, is the most. Um, yeah. Incidentally, that's the same for me. Three is, is three is like close to the boundary, and four's definitely past it to some degree. I feel I can yeah. still coach, still be of value of service, but mm. definitely three feels feels optimal. Mm. I love the half hour break in between sessions as well, uh, and this radical diary that's so big it can't be carried around <laughs> yeah, so, such that planning only happens at home in a safe space in a space yeah. where the person sending you the invitation or you know planning with you isn't there mm. this is incredible <laughs> this it's is in so good <laughs> i'm glad the radical diary maybe this is a whole new niche um well i i will give credit to my coach camilla mendoza back in the day she was the one that suggested it um I, it's interesting because there's part of me that, you know, I look around and I see people with their, you know, Calendly and they're all their online diaries and the, their availability online. And I think, oh gosh, I'd be much more strategic and efficient 
and helpful to the clients probably if I just had everything online. But but honestly, I, I it, while it does take a little bit more time booking in sessions with people, um, there's something really lovely about being in charge of my time and when I can do things. It means I can go and do a Pilates session if I want to. It means I can go and get my kids to the doctor. You know, it, it, boring basic things, but actually it means that when I do coach, I'm happy to coach and I'm there and I'm ready to be of service. Um, so yeah, radical diary. <laughs> that might be yeah. the key takeaway from today. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> well, well done, Camilla. Thank you for giving me that idea. Um, I'm someone who, who has a calendar on their phone and will, you know, will be putting in stuff on, mm. on the fly, but that idea is uh, really going really gonna to sit with me. And yeah, what you just said about the role of a coach beyond the techniques they can use and their skills they have. And yeah, so you're saying you're happiest using your diary in this way, and that's mm. going to make you the most powerful or relaxed coach, perhaps, mm. or the most authentic coach that turns up for your for your clients. It, yeah. it, it, it makes sense. Yeah, I think for me, I, I, there's two modes often with me. I can be super, I can be super calm, and my clients often talk about my calmness. And I think my husband would laugh if he saw one of my testimonials because he sees this other side of me, which is very efficient, quite stressed sometimes, you know, very um, do, do, do. And so, and that obviously has its benefits and, and that can be useful in coaching. And for me personally, I think it's really important that I'm kind of, yeah, in that relaxed state when I'm going into a session. So that's one way that, that helps me do that. Wicked. And the last thing I wanted to catch from that brilliant overview of your, your, your work was this uh, idea of being so flexible for your clients, I, I can mm. yeah, book a session in whenever, or mm. we can coach, we can do walking, we can meet in person in the office, we can meet mm. at my house, at your house, we mm. can meet online, all these different ideas. And the, that flexibility, we sometimes lie to ourselves and say, clients want that flexibility, or we'll be the mm. best coach if we can offer that flexibility, when something I've learned from my coaching is that often it's the opposite, and clients mm. want leadership from us in telling yeah. us how we work, in getting a clear and consistent message of this is how I work and how we're going to build a partnership together. Would you say a few words about your journey to that point that sounds like you're also in alignment with at the moment? Mm. Yeah, I, th I think there, I think the word you used about leadership, it's, it's, it's actually true. I, I, I know, you know, clients have said to me that they do see it as a role modeling that I'm saying mm. I'm available these times. I, I'm also, you know, and again, I, I took this from Camilla a bit, actually, you know, if, saying, you know, if I have session preparation questions, people can answer. They are voluntary. They don't have to do them, but I, I find them to be helpful for people. And I ask them to be with me 24 hours ahead of the session. And the reason for that is obviously it will take me maybe 10, 15 minutes to read them and really think about them. And, you know, I can squeeze it in before a session. But equally, I might not be there just before the session, you know, so there, it's giving me it's giving me that chance to to read and take that in in a relaxed form. Um, so I think it is about role modeling. And I think. For people that work in organizations, often they, they don't get to choose necessarily how, yeah. how they work and what that's about. And for people that aren't working in organizations, working for themselves, you know, whether that's as, you know, full-time parents at home through to someone that's working for themselves or their business, you know, often days can just pass by and we don't, you know, and actually to be able to say, no, I'm going to be doing these three hours over these three days, I'm going to focus on this, um, I think can be really powerful. I think a lot of coaches come to that point of setting clear boundaries with clients and being really um, yeah, sh showing leadership in most conversations from a position of I'm doing it for myself or this is how I'm going to be uh, a self-employed coach or this is how I'm going to be um, have a portfolio career and this is what I need to do for me and then come to the knowledge of and this is also what clients most prefer or and generally this is something that clients find valuable uh, later or at least that's how it happened for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. um, I think it, yeah, I'm sure some people come to it of, hey, I understand clients want this. And I've heard this being talked about in coaching circles, so it's not a new idea for me. But for me, it definitely came from, I need to do this for myself. And then, oh, and clients really appreciate it. Mm. 
yeah, I, I definitely hadn't thought it through when I started. I was just, I was just kind of quite frankly keen to have clients. And so I was kind of willing to do, you know, whatever. Um, and as you mentioned earlier about not just the time, but how, you know, where you deliver. And so I have been doing most of my work online, actually, even pre-pandemic. And that was partly because I knew, even before I was a mother, I wanted, I knew I wanted to have kids. So I did it so that I could then be flexible and have a flexible lifestyle. And then for those the people that are in London or can get to London, like I offer one or two sessions in a package in Battersea Park because I love being outdoors in nature. And I find that can be so valuable for people. But it obviously takes time for me to get there and to come back. And whilst, so it's just kind of like balancing that out um, in a package. So yeah, lots to think about. And people do it very different ways. You know, I, I know people that coach solely in the evening. They might have a full-time job that they're doing and then coaching on that. Or maybe they just like do that or they have kids. So it's not saying my way is the only way, but it's it's working for me. Yeah, yeah. And and thanks for encouraging that nuance. And yeah, um, showing leadership or, or or reducing your flexibility for clients, it absolutely isn't the only way. And if there's any coach listening that really prioritize or have being flexible for their clients to a serious degree as part of uh, their characteristics mm. as a professional, right on and full, full power to you. Absolutely. Um, fun, yeah, fun, f I, I kind of expected that talking about where coaching happened would come up because mm. you were someone who, the, the idea of coaching outdoors and going for walking coaching first, mm. I first came across when we worked together at Mo on the training yeah. course and I was looking at your website being like, oh, what kind of coach, what kind mm. of coach is Kat? And I saw the walking sessions. I was like, wow, walking sessions. Mm. And I've just, I remember messaging you on WhatsApp about it. Yeah. I just a few months ago started uh, my first client walking around Bristol Harbour, which is amazing. Um, I, you know, I, I offered it and they were like, yeah, I'd really like that. And, um, and it's been going, going really great. And I'm gonna take that into my uni role uh, ah. it's, again. Very really cool. well situ situated in town yeah. um, and again, good, quite good access to the harbour and maybe some other nice parks actually and offer that to students because, you know, do you want a blank, fairly drab meeting room mm -hmm. or do you want a Zoom link or do you want the open air? I think mm. that's, that, that's, that's a nice decision. And it's funny how I've gone from being like, hey, they just want, le they just want leadership, they just want you, know, you to mm. tell them how it's going to happen mm. to me being like, ah, but also... I really value like offering this flexibility. Interesting yeah. uh, contradiction there. We're human. We're full of contradictions. Yeah, I think it's, it's and it is interesting. I think I always assume that people will want to take me up on my offers of meeting in in the park if they're in London, and some people don't. And that's because actually for them, their flexibility is incredibly important. So being able to just hop on a Zoom call or even onto the phone is more important to them than getting on a bus or a train and getting to the yeah. park so um, yeah it's, it's it's important yeah that we're not assuming things it's kind of a balance of what we can offer and what works for us and what we what we enjoy um and then also yeah having some flexibility for the clients themselves yeah yeah and it's something listeners of this podcast will hear again and again and again is us celebrating the uniqueness of how different coaches structure things mm. and encouraging people to to find what experiment and create change in the coaching community in in their approach uh, we love that variety that richness yeah absolutely yeah so, i think the, the mo community that's one of no, it's just one of the things i really love about the mo community is the diversity of people and approaches and ways they're using the coaching skills that have come out of the, the courses um so yeah, I, I, it always frustrates me when I, I get LinkedIn requests, you know, kind of telling me they're going to, people are going to make me this kind of six figure business and follow these steps and you'll do it. And I think it's highly rare that people do that actually. And uh, so I think celebrating the different ways that we, you know, essentially do our craft is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I get the LinkedIn Oh, you can make this much per month in less than three months with no sales <laughs> funnel and no website. Oh my! The uh, you have a copy paste. It's yeah. it's real. <laughs> yep, it is. Cool. So, taking a step back from what's happening at the moment or mm -hmm. the portfolio career, yeah, take take us to when you first learned or thought about coaching. Mm. So, it, it was actually back in. 
2010, so we're now 2023, so 13 years ago, mm. um, I worked for a leadership development charity that was helping to develop aspiring head teachers in challenging schools. It was called Future Leaders. And through that, I got some coaching from a wonderful coach and now good friend of mine called Andrea Barkley. And uh, in part to, you know, help me with my role. And then in part, because I was actually, I, I told the organization that I was um, moving to New York. And so I was able to think about that move at the same time. And so that's when I f first had coaching and, and found it incredibly valuable. But in my head, I felt that to be a coach, you had to be in your fifties or sixties. You had to have, you know, been lived a, a really decent chunk of life and had lots of professional experience. Um, so yeah, coaching, me being a coach was never in my mind. Um, and then I, after those three years, I came back uh, to the UK and I, I won't go into it here just because of timing and if people are interested, I talk about it more um, on a, a podcast called The Coach's Journey with Robbie Swale about uh, a lung collapse I had um, in New York and uh, how it may have been related to my dad's death six months earlier. But basically through those kind of events, which were quite kind of shocks to the system, I came back to the UK and wasn't sure what I was going to do career-wise. And uh, I'd been a fundraising consultant in New York and I could have, you know, continued that. And I did a few consulting gigs uh, when I got back. Um, but it was actually through uh, a few people I kind of see as life mentors or guides. They're not official mentors of yeah. mine, but just people I respect. So uh, one, Ted Lancaster, who founded one of the charities I worked at uh, many years ago called Interhealth Worldwide. Um, Simon Hampel, who is one of the board members at Mo, mm -hmm. And I think it was those two at the time, they were saying, have you thought about coaching? And I was like, oh, I'm too, I'm too old. I think I was 32 at the time. Yeah. And I was like, sorry, I'm not too old, sorry, I'm too young. I'm too young to be a, a coach. And um, it was Simon that said, just, you know, have a go on, on this course, go, go to Mo." And so I looked at the websites and there were no courses in London for a while. So the next one was in Guernsey and it was the first one they did in Guernsey actually. And so I hopped over to Guernsey and yeah, was taught by uh, James Wright, Tony Phillips and um, Stacey uh, Nimisima. And yeah, I, that Mo course, gosh, it's, I loved it. And I also found it really challenging. Um, I remember the first day, so at the time it was in person and I think it was a five day course, three days, and then you had a break and then two days. And the first night that I went back to my B&B, &B, I felt really down because I was like, oh, I'm such a bad listener. Because the first oh, day no. a lot of it is about listening. And I just yeah. realized that I knew how to make quick conversations with people i knew how to find commonality and have those kind of conversations but you know that that deeper type of listening i i was doing in retrospect i think i was being a bit harsh to myself but mm. yeah it wasn't so much a part of my life mm. so yeah i guess that's that's when i started really on my my coaching journey was, was thanks to simon for kind of signposting mo to me yeah and you said you had this coaching experience where you were receiving coaching. Mm. What was it about that experience or your first contact with coaching that made you mm. think I could be a coach or I'd like to be a coach? I think it was both the mix of practical and the doing and like what I could be doing in my job and, um, and actually thinking about moving to New York and equally it was about who who I was at the time and what I was wanting to be, you know, who I was wanting to be and what may need to shift in order for that to happen. Um, so I really, and I, even to this day, that's what I still really enjoy um, about coaching is thinking about the being and the doing. And that's something I learned more through uh, the Coactive Training Institute and their model is all about co the being and active is the doing. And so for me, that that's what interested me. Also at the time I was, work part of my role was to um work with what we called leadership development advisors and they were um former or current head teachers really um impressive people 
And so I, I kind of saw what they were learning with the kind of skills that we were teaching them and what they were just doing just naturally through who they were and their experience. And I, and I loved it. Um, but I just thought you just had to be older <laughs> to do that. Yeah. 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 So you're admiring these people who had these yeah. skills or, or had learned them. And, um, yeah, that combination of being and doing, I've never heard it described like that coaching as the being and the doing, and it feels mm. really poetic and really right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for me, the the being side of things uh, has been the most transformational in the last, I don't know, seven, eight years. Because I've always been good at the doing, you know, right? that I can, I get stuff done. That's, that's you know, throw mm -hmm. me something and I'll do it. But the being side of things, like who am I? What do I value? What's important to me? How do I get in my own way? Where am I brilliant? You know, all these pieces uh, felt not exactly alien, but just less familiar and I, and I wasn't giving time and energy to them. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to mind is a conversation I had with a client in a session recently about how they most wanted to use coaching, whether it was around changing how they were being or mm -hmm. maybe slightly more pragmatic and what they were doing in life or changing, mm. you know, what work kind of, and it almost kind of went into a conversation around is this, you know, short-term pragmatism supporting you in going through things, or is this long-term, here's mm. how I want to change yep. how I treat myself, how I think of things. Um, yeah, I, I really like that lens to look at coaching through being and doing. Yeah, it's something that, um, it's interesting thinking about those, that short-term, medium-term, long-term, and something that's been incredibly helpful to me uh, ever since I've had kids um, is, is something uh, a lady called Julie Curry shared with me when I asked her, she seemed to kind of have it all, you know, great job, kids just seem to be managing it all very well. And I said, do you think it's possible for women to have it all? And she's like, yes, but over a lifetime. And mm -hmm. I just loved that. And it's been so valuable to my way of thinking. It doesn't work for everyone, but for, for me personally, it's been a really helpful way to think. Um, in fact, I've actually bought overalifetime.com. I haven't done anything with it, but I just, there's something about that idea that um, we don't have to do everything brilliantly all at once. We can take our time with certain things. We can focus on different things. We can kind of dial things up, dial things down. Um, and for me, that's taken away a lot of um, nervousness or resentment or things mm -hmm. like that. Um, just being like, okay, this is this period of my life. And there will be another period of my life and there'll be another period of my life. And so I think with coaching, what I notice with a number of my clients is, is yes, there are often things they come with that are particularly in that moment, but actually that concept of over a lifetime is actually very freeing for many of yeah. them. Um, and actually then gives them that bigger perspective as they're thinking about the thing that's right in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My experience as a coach uh, concurs with that when we zoom mm. out from the short scale or from small time mm. scales it often allows us to relax and feel better feel better mm. about about what's happening yeah yeah from that talking about how you can come to coaching this idea of age being in some way relative mm. to uh, coaching ability came up and i'd mm. love to i'd love to talk about that um and if I said to you, what does your, your intuition say when I ask you how much truth from zero to 100% is, mm. is there that the older you are, the better you are at coaching? Really putting you on the spot. I know. And, I, and I, all I'm imagining is like a DJ's, whatever that's called, that's, that switch thing that goes up and down on their deck, yeah. you know. And that's what I'm imagining is up and down, right? So um, I do think there are times when age is useful, especially perhaps in executive coaching, um, where people might be looking for a coach slash mentor. There's someone that has been there, done that. Um, and I, so I, I do think there is, and, and actually quite frankly, there is, and depending on what your coaching is, there might be certain things that you, you know, just have in your life that might be valuable, but saying that equally, you don't have to have that experience. And so even just thinking back to that Mo course, uh, I remember being coached by Natalie Scully, who at the time was 18, of course. And I was just thinking, and I was, I was being coached on what it, on my concern that I was too young to be a coach. And just remember looking up at her and I was just like, 
Natalie's 18 and she's doing an amazing job. You know, she's brilliant. She's a great listener. She's asking really thought-provoking questions. What am I on about? You know, and it's been interesting. And actually in the last couple of years, particularly, when I speak to coaches in their 20s and 30s, there's a confidence there, actually, that I don't think I had 10 years ago. And I think, um, I think society and the coaching industry is shifting and, and that's all for the better. So mm. yeah, in my mind, what it comes down to is really the chemistry between the coach and the client. And that really is the most important thing. Now that may come in the package of a, a 20 year old. It may come in the package of a 75 year old, somewhere in between, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I don't have a, I don't have a percentage to give you because I think it does dial up and dial down. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. And thinking back to a Mo course I was on, uh, I was part of a training team delivering a course and one of our participants was again, 18, mm. um, and living down in Tasmania and I'm really hoping ah. to get them on the podcast because I think right. yeah, we, yeah. Typi we typically, I think there's not enough, um, space for, for young coaching voices mm. or maybe they're not the most common voices and that's really valuable, uh, mm. especially like right on the upside of the world. So hopefully, uh, that'll happen, but just amazing. like you were saying, they were a fantastic coach and they mm. were applying these models in a really intelligent way and learning about them. And there was no, oh, but it doesn't feel right because they're 18. When I saw other participants being coached by them or I saw them mm. practicing those te techniques. And just like you say, like that, the value in that, sure, like the value in, ha in being the stereotype of old and wise or having a lot mm. of experience, that can mm. be really valuable just mm. as that innocence of how you look at things or that mm. freshness of how mm. a younger person might look at things can be just as valuable um like you say i think it really depends on the dy dynamic between people and we've got ideas about age and society that might really affect that dynamic some people mm. it wouldn't work to have a young coach and for some people it wouldn't work to have an older coach mm. Mm. and yeah of course we're we've come back to this universal coaching truth about the uniqueness of each coaching partnership about the um you know there's no one universal rule about how coaching mm. should be done or what makes a powerful coaching uh, partnership doesn't surprise me uh, that we're back here mm. and i think also it's interesting to think about uh who gets coaching as well and so mm. certainly in in more of the organizational world often not always but often that that is is people further along in their career and so something I enjoy uh, doing is, is uh, working with Chloe Garland, who's also a, a Mo alumna. I yep. think she's been interviewed on, on the podcast and she has a, a company called uh, Quarter Life and works with people in their twenties and early thirties. And it's really refreshing working with people that are, you know, not necessarily at the start, but kind of, you know, earlier on in their careers um, and, you know, the, their companies are choosing to give them the opportunity to, to receive coaching. Um, so yeah, it was, it'll be interesting to see what happens in 10 years time, um, you know, as, as, as shifts occur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And coaching courses becoming more accessible or becoming mm. more common or more popular, I'm sure will de again, further decrease the, the average age or the demographic mm. in terms of, um, yeah, a age that is really interesting. Yeah. And saying that I have a couple of clients in their seventies and it's brilliant, you know, so, you know, and I'm the daughter of someone who was. My dad was 57 when I was born, 59 when my brother was born. So, yeah, I just, I, I guess I, I find age just a kind of, as long as you've got your health, that's the, that's the challenge if you, if you don't, but it's, it's a cliche, but age is just a number. Okay. Brilliant. And going back to the Mo course, mm. talking about going to Guernsey, what yeah. happened in your career immediately after you finished the Mo course, thinking those mm -hmm. couple of weeks or, you know, the next month or two? So I did the course in the summer of 2014 and loved it. And then, and I did actually, I think I worked with, I started taking on clients, probably had four or five over the next few months. But I, I noticed there were two things that I remember from that time. One was I really felt nervous saying I was a coach. I just didn't feel 
like a coach, <laughs> whatever yeah. that. So I, I'm still kind of really questioning what that meant, the identity piece. Yeah. And perhaps because, you know, before my education had been, you do a bachelor's degree, it's three years, or you do a master's degree, it's a year, you know, and so suddenly after six weeks, I'm a coach. It's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I had some questions around that. Um, and then the other thing that I remember from that time was uh, Mo did a, an in-person social in London. And Tony Phillips, who, who had been one of my trainers in Guernsey, came up to me and he was asking how it's going. And he's like, um, and I think this was really early on, actually. So I probably hadn't even got any clients at this point. And he was like, so when are you going to start charging? And he's like, well, about 20 pounds an hour. And I was just like, <gasps> um, yeah. and there's part of me that kind of like, I can't do that. And then I was like, actually, no, I should start at 40 pounds an hour. <laughs> so almost just by that request, he was like getting me A, to charge, you know, and then B, to think about what I wanted to charge. Um, so that was just so valuable because I think I could have, had I not had that conversation, I might have well have spent a year or two just faffing around. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was really helpful. So yeah, in that period of time, it was just starting to slowly get clients. And then I, I personally decided to do further training afterwards. So I guess in that period of time, that was probably four or five months after Mo, I did that. And was that with Coactive? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I did a, a year-long course with them, um, which was the first half is in-person modules. And then, or I, I, and I think they're hopefully going to go back to that post-pandemic. I think it's still online at the moment now. Um, and then a six-month certification program, which is, uh, which was all on the phone, actually. Um, and that was really cool. It was with the, the teacher was in Britain. And then we had myself and then three people in America and uh, three people in Dubai. So, yeah, it was uh, a good mix of people. And I, and I, I loved it. And, uh, yeah, I, I think the things I've taken from that is around, you know, the co-active piece, which I've mentioned. Um, another thing is, is values work. So I really find with my clients um, helping them to really take time to think about what their their personal values are what's important to them in life and then using those as ways to make decisions yeah. um, and even noticing where they might have two values that kind of counteract each other and then making a choice about which they're going to honor and which they're going to let go of in that scenario um, mm. is really powerful so that there's, there's lots I could talk about with that course but I, I think there's a, a couple of things that I still to this day use a lot of brilliant yeah, maybe we'll get back to that. I think it's a really interesting, it would be really interesting for us to hear about the differences between a relatively short course like Mo's mm. eight, eight session course and the mm. course that takes place over the course of a year. Mm. But both are aimed at teaching, coaching fundamentals. Mm. Um, but I, I want to get into specifics. Okay. You said you started taking on clients. Mm. What was the thing you did to take mm. on clients in that moment? So that but immediately after Mo, in the, those few months, there was no strategy at all. <laughs> there was like, I, so all I did was I spoke to people. When I, when I spoke to people, just in natural yeah. conversations, maybe I was meeting up with them or maybe, I don't know, there was just, or there was an email, you know, it was just, it was very organic. And I mentioned I'd been doing some coaching and I was starting out. And either directly those people or people they knew you know, were recommended to me. And so that's how that happened. I'd say the, the kind of most strategic I've been, and I'm, I'm not like this anymore, um, and probably could be more of if I want, you know, wanted more clients, um, was when I did start with, um, with the CTI certification, which so that's six months in after when I started the course, we had to have five paying clients. And I think at that time, those initial clients were kind of coming to an end or the people I'd taken on initially were starting to wrap up. So I had to start from the from beginning. And what I did was I uh, wrote an email, a generic email, uh, about my, like a, a few lines about my experience pre-coaching. Then what, what I'd done with Mo, uh, what I was going to be doing with CTI, um, a couple of testimonials were mm -hmm. in there, and then my biography, and I wrote a, an attached biography. And then I just kind of tops and tailed it so it's personalized for the person. I just asked, I think it was five or six people, I just who I know are really good connectors and who I know believe in me, 
um, if they knew of people. And through that, I got 11 clients. And wow. yeah, and it was really, it was really simple. <laughs> and yeah, and I, and I, quite frankly, probably should do that more. Um, for me, it's, it, my whole business has just been about relationship building and referrals. And it makes it a slower beast. Um, it's taken time, but equally that has suited my stage of life and in where I want to be, it won't work for everyone. Um, but yeah, that, that's really how I, I proactively got clients. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And I love, I love the idea of, Hey, here's some people who I feel are well connected, who mm. I know believe in me, or I know mm. see me in the way that I want to be seen. Um, that seems like a really intuitively, obviously positive uh, approach. Yeah. And one thing to add, sorry, I forgot, just with that email, I, I made an offer. So it was a kind of, I remember exactly, I think it was like 13 and a half, it was a very precise 13 and a half hour package or something. Um, and then I kind of gave the price and it was just a much lower price than, you know, I was, would hope to charge in the future and mm -hmm. just said what was involved. So I just made it as easy for people to forward on to other people as possible. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also helpful. So then it just means, yeah, it's not difficult for people to understand what's being offered and um, how to get in touch with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was there any, when you were speaking to those connectors or mm. asking them to forward that email, was there mm. like, I'd like you to send this to this group of people or that group of people? Was there any clarifying there? That's an interesting question. I actually can't remember if I did that. I... Mm, I'm not sure if I did. I think if you look at my biography, like my background's very much in a non-profit base. So that would be an obvious place to go. But thinking about the people that came to me, they weren't all non-profit people. So I think, you know, and even when I think about my biography now, there are different things that clients kind of that appeal to clients, right? There are, some will be around the fact that, yes, I've got experience in the, in the non-profit world, but for others, it will be, that I'm a mum or that I lived in New York or, you know, there, there'll be different bits. So I don't know if I was hugely specific. No. Yeah. I think yeah. So. And fast forwarding back to the, pre to the present day, mm. how are you currently going about acquiring new clients? I just wait for them. <laughs> oh, fantastic. The luxury. <laughs> they come no, to me. Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, Right on. Yeah. And it does make it slower. Like, I mean, it, you know, as in like, I, I'm sure if I sent an email out again, I could get like, you know, and that's right, it sounds very arrogant, but like, I'm sure I could just, you know, yeah. do that. Um, but yeah, at the moment in my life, because I'm working part time and just because I'm, I'm lucky that I'm able to, to do this, um, you know, financially, that I can work part time. Um, it means that, yeah, I've now got... I guess enough former clients who can recommend mm -hmm. me to people or just people through Mo, for example, um, yeah. or other organizations I've been involved with, um, or just friends that will pass me on to other people. Um, you know, bearing in mind, I've been kind of at this for about eight years now, you know, so, you know, with time you start to, um, yeah, get a, be a better network. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, when I think about what I do marketing-wise at the moment, you know, I would, in the past couple of years, I've advertised on LinkedIn about the podcast, you know, I've been doing. And and actually, one thing I'm doing at the moment, which I'm quite enjoying, is with the Mondays that I mentioned, um, I've started to take photos of people that I'm meeting up with. Not everyone, depends on who, you know, who they are and if they want that. But um, almost like celebrating people that I find really cool. Yeah. Um, and so maybe you could argue that's a marketing thing and maybe like 10% of it is, but actually yeah. in general, it's more like a, I don't know, just a celebration of getting out there again. Yeah, <laughs> and some people. people might see it in some way as yeah, marketing. Yeah, exactly. But that's not yeah. how it feels to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not your marketing guru girl, I will say. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe, I think you might be. Um, what I'm hearing is that <laughs> The amount of passive referrals or mm. people coming to you for coaching matches the amount of work you want to be doing. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't feel any nervousness about clients, like getting clients. Like I, yeah. I, I definitely felt that when I started out, like I, 
wanted to be getting a certain number of clients. And now I'm just like, I kind of trust that the, yeah, I guess I kind of go a bit, you know, more woo-woo here. And I just trust that the universe will be bringing me the right number of people for this particular time in my life. Um, and also, you know, there's part of me that's curious about work beyond or in addition to coaching. So actually I'm not looking to, I, I'm, I enjoy working the amount I do in coaching. I'm not looking to be fully booked the whole time and because I want to have brain space to explore additional things. So. Yeah. And we spoke about that a little bit um, off off podcast about mm. that transition that's happening is that something you'd be comfortable telling 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 us about yeah yeah i um so very again very uh, actually I, I was speaking to a friend last week from new york um his name's robert Acordino, and he was this amazing friend and doctor who helped me when my lung collapsed um anyway he we were talking about coaching and what it was and he said it's so it's, it's helping people really live deliberately and I was like, that's a great way, you know, of, of, of putting this. And so very deliberately for the last seven years, essentially, I've been part-time, wanted to be very present for my boys. Um, and that's been wonderful. And they are now coming to an age where in six months time, the youngest will be at school. And so I will suddenly have five days, you know, during term time available to myself. And yeah, I just have a sense that I will be coaching as long as I can hear properly, <laughs> I'll be coaching it, you know, well into my seventies, I'm sure. And I also feel that there's, there are other parts kind of, you know, pulling at my interest. So, um, and I say this, I have no plan. I have no idea how this will emerge or when or in what form, but I will yeah. say the things I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah. So there's part of me is around, um, yeah, using my voice more. So, um, whether that's, sharing ideas more presenting interviewing that kind of piece i really enjoy researching i, I used to uh, want to be a documentary maker and there's part of me that's still curious about that side of things um and then the other areas around nature and the environment um both getting out more i live in pretty central london at the moment um and then also you know thinking about our kids futures and what what am i doing in that regard and i guess having my my parents my dad was a conservationist and set up one of the first environmental treaties around the world and my mum studied swan behavior for 10 years so i kind of grew up in that world and i think there's some stuff in me that hasn't come out yet on that front yeah. and may get some more attention so yeah i i feel i feel that those are the extra strands there are a few extra strands that might accompany the coaching side, but I can maybe tell you about those in a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. For, for me, it was always, I'm going to be a radio presenter. Ah, <laughs> and this being a podcast yes. host. Well, no, but it's, it's a journey, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you may well yeah. be. Yeah. yeah, definitely something involved in music. Uh, mm. Or I'd like, I'd like there to be something involved in music. Uh, I think, yeah, with so many coaches, coaching isn't the entirety of their portfolio. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a, yeah, a duty in sharing coaches' story, stories to encourage them to share where they are beyond coaching or where their portfolio goes outside of coaching because often it's really interesting and encouraging seeing how people have configured that in yeah. with, with a high degree of agency or, you know, pursuing what's really meaningful to them so thanks for sharing that does the does that research or using your own, your own voice feel like mm. something that would be work related or more kind of personal related i think both yeah yeah i think it's interesting with coaching because obviously while it's a dynamic relationship you are always in service of someone else and their ideas and I think what I've noticed is actually it's important to also have a way to get your own ideas out. And mm. so that's, so then there's a, there's a kind of balancing it. It's not necessarily in the coaching session itself, but so, yeah, I think so for me, I think it might be work related actually. Um, not, not so much my personal, I think, <laughs> I think I express myself pretty well in my personal life actually. But yeah, I guess what I'm talking about is more professional actually. Um, and I, I've been under the radar for a while 
And I don't want to be one of those kind of Instagrammy, you know, like look at me coaches. It's, that's not, mm-hmm. that's not the deal. It's just more about, um, yes, I guess starting to emerge from this period is again, I've very consciously chosen of being a mom and being, you know, very present to my kids. Uh, and I, I will still hopefully be a very present mom, but it just, um, I think my energy is, is shifting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, your children will sh- their energy or their their needs. Yeah, I'm sure will shift as well. shift exactly. Oh my! I tell you, my six year old should be a coach. Like he is. No. <laughs> whenever I'm feeling a bit stressed, he's like, "Mummy, just smell the flower and blow out the candle." <laughs> so, and they teach yoga at his school, and amazing. it's amazing. So that's so much more self aware than I ever was <laughs> as a child. Yeah, getting right into the. Uh age versus coaching yeah genuinely true and actually something i've um i'm really interested actually i think maybe learning more about professionally now is um thinking about how we regulate ourselves and our emotions and mm-hmm. how we soothe our nervous system and things like that at the school uh, my six-year-olds that they've been teaching about zones of regulation um and it's very sim- simple idea so there are four different colors squares Red, this is very simplistic, but red is like yeah. angry, yellow is overstimulated, um, green is very calm, ready to learn, and blue is a bit sad. And we as a family in the last month or so have been really using this, and we it's so, so helpful. And like now, including my four-year-old can talk about it as well. So he's like, I'm in the dark red zone, like really angry, or I'm in wow. the dark green zone, I'm beautifully, you know, calm and peaceful. And then I say what mood I'm in. And, you know, it's just suddenly given us a language yeah. to share how we are. And I think it's, it's something that I'm kind of curious about coaching wise as to, yeah, what more I can learn on that front with, with people. And that may be somewhere to look for me. Yeah. Amazing. And it is a huge change that I'm sure is coming in society, uh, emotional fluency. Uh, yeah, to absolutely. Be an emotional awareness. It's all mm. over social media. People are sharing mm. these you know, big ideas that support us to be our best selves, these big emotional ideas that you never maybe have expected celebrities to be sharing mm. in newspaper columns 20 years ago. Mm. Uh, it's definitely happening. It's happening in schools as well. It always shocked me as a teacher how people just five to 10 years younger than me when I was, when I was just mm. starting my career could have such a more progressive perspective despite not having lived as long as me um but it Mm. does continue happening and it's a change i see and yeah it's going to be really interesting to see how that impacts coaching Mm. how much will people need coaching if we have a much more emotionally aware and mature uh, demographic or will will that just change the way in which they they want to use coaching are there going to be loads more coaches you know (laughs) being able to tap into that intuition Mm. um and I'd love to hear, you know, you, you as a really experienced coach, your kids as, you know, learning around, around mm. that regulation and always learning mm. about communication. Have you given them any coaching tools, whether that's a listening tool, whether that's encouraging them to ask permission before giving an opinion? Have you ever given them any tools <laughs> or encouraged them that... to communicate in that way? Um, let me think. They're very different characters, my two boys. Um, yeah, the, the eldest... Actually, I think I think with both of them, and quite frankly, because they're still really young, even just having the tool of you, you kind of do that. I can't show you on the, the podcast. I'm kind of like moving my hands a little bit near my ears, and you're going, and that means mm-hmm. you know time to listen, and that is something that's really important. So, and actually, quite frankly, I think as adults, we probably need tools to be like, okay, <laughs> person, time to listen. Yeah. Um, so that that's helpful, and then I think. Um, I, I don't know how it's happened actually, but thinking about it, there is something about listening in our family. I think there's something about a fairness of listening. And so if people don't feel like they're being listened to, they will say it, you know, it's my turn to listen in order. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, yeah, I haven't explicitly taught them coaching skills. I guess when I, when I pick my eldest, actually when I pick both of them up, I ask them, what their favorite thing in the day was, you know, I try and ask them a question that makes them reflect, but then that's kind of enough. And when I've mm. asked more questions, I get, I get pushed back. They're like, mommy, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of, I think at this stage, it's more just judging 
when good listening is helpful, when a good question and usually just one, quite frankly, is helpful. Um, and I think that the ability to be there to listen and, um, and it's, it's something I feel quite passionate about with boys, actually, you know, because I, I, I want them to be able to, to express themselves and how they feel. And so I do ask them quite a lot how they feel. And often at nighttime when I'm putting to bed, that's where you'll get the the real, you know, mummy, can I tell you something? And it'll mm. be like towards the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm in, in any thoughtful way imparting my coaching knowledge or skills onto my kids at this point. Uh, and I also, I'm also really conscious about um, close relationships, be that with my kids, my husband, my close friends, family, of not using them in a way um, that isn't kind of a natural way. So sometimes, you know, I've been challenged. Absolutely. If I ask something that's really a thought-provoking question, someone might say, oh, stop coaching me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think there's a, a balance to be had. I'm not walking around constantly being a coach, you know, and I uh -huh. am not, a, I'm definitely not a perfect human being. I am not constantly calm or anything, you know, uh -huh. um, but I have these tools to hand, which can be helpful. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it's such an interesting reflection about kind of parent parenting and mm -hmm. those communication styles. That I completed the Mo course, I noticed my communication changing, and part of that was because I felt like I'd learned better ways to communicate, better mm. techniques to communicate. Uh, but I remember my my partner at the time would sometimes say to me, uh, "Stop coaching me or stop mm -hmm. using coaching techniques on me." And I was, yeah. but I can't help it. It's just a better, <laughs> it's a better way of 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 you know talking to you or or of listening to you. Um, and I think there's a really interesting like nuance there of you know how we kind of how we how we are our coaches and how we're also people and mm. when and where we consciously or subconsciously let that let that go or hold on to mm. it mm. Um, and i don't feel like i understand it to any a, any deep level but i have an awareness that sometimes it's 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 happening or it's it's relevant i mean saying that i, I read today i think it was uh claire pedrick and she was being advertised on for a podcast was saying that 95 percent of the coach is the person right mm -hmm. and the rest is skill so there is something about who you are and there's i guess it depends on how you define a coach and, and how you define yourself as a coach. And I think maybe something for me may, maybe is just actually just to almost like pull in more of who I am as a coach. So mm. I am someone that watches Love Island. <laughs> you know? I may present as being no very judgment. thoughtful and intelligent. And I, and I watch that, which has its own, you know, it's not, it's, it has its own critiques for many, in many different reasons. And yet for me, it relaxes me and I kind of find it quite fun. Yeah. And it's, you know, or if you go to parties, you know, people don't necessarily want to be like having deep and meaningful. They just want to have a good time and have fun. Mm -hmm. And so I guess it's kind of how to define oneself as a coach and whether that is someone that, that that's, that's part of it, who it is, or if it's something we have to wear more thoughtfully. I'm not sure. I don't really know the answer to it, actually. Um, yeah, that's an interesting yeah. reflection. Um, I'd like to... I'd like to swerve that question. Apologies. Okay, no worries. Um, you, you said uh, this person presented this idea that it was 90% or 95% who we yeah. are when we're coaching and 5% mm. uh, the skills or the mm. techniques we use. I'd love to hear what, where you feel that balance lies in the impact you have with your clients. How, what percentage mm. is it who you are yeah. or, and who you are to them? And what mm -hmm. percentage is it what you do in the session? It's interesting. I'd, I'd almost be interested for you to ask my clients this because, mm. you know, as to what their perception is, because I am using techniques, there's no doubt about it. And, and partly, you know, so I'm accredited with the, the ICF. So there are, you know, standards and ethics around this and, and ways of doing things, uh, which I do uphold. And there are ways to start a session and ways to, you know, close it and making sure you're doing certain things. Um, and there are skills that I, you know, I guess the skills that I draw on things like, you know, I'll, I'll have in mind the coactive model or I'll have in mind the grow model from Mo or I'll have in mind different ways of doing things. And I have questions that I know can often elicit really interesting answers up my sleeve and there'll be different ways of being, you know, whether that's just being with that person or whether sometimes it's dialing up the energy or dialing down the energy 
So there's there's lots of things to hand, and yet, would I as a client know that? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think you probably would know the beginning and end bit. Yes, I think you'd kind of be aware. Oh, yeah. she's asking me about my takeaways and my learnings and what I'm going to do or how I'm going to be. You know, that mm-hmm. is quite coachy. But in the middle, I guess, particularly, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how much is me and just being curious and asking the question, like you're doing with me, right? You know, you have a you have a bit of an agenda, you have some questions, but actually you're riffing off as well, you know, and you're bringing yourself. <laughs> well, I know. That's the thing, right? And that's what, yes, and it'd be interesting what the, what the listeners yeah, think. Yeah, of course, right? of course, yeah. So I think I've definitely relaxed more into being who I am in my sessions. And I think mm-hmm. that's reflected by you know, people saying that I'm playful or light in my, in, in the way I do things. So I'm quite light in my challenges. They're still there, but they're not in like, you must do this type thing. It's like, you know, what would it be like in yeah. the next three hours to do X? Um, and I think because, you know, I've had coaching and supervision, I know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of all of that as well. So it's, I guess I do it in a way that Whilst I want, you know, and I, part of my job is to hold people accountable and challenge, there is also, I think, an importance of being kind um, and compassionate to people as well. You know, because mm-hmm. some of this work, depending on what the topic is, can be really hard. And, yeah, and it's yeah. brave to even reach out to a coach, let alone start coaching and continuing with coaching. Um, yeah. I'm not really answering your question. And I'm happy you didn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think I have an answer. No, when when I asked you a question, I was like, Adam, I'm also, I'm also going to give my thoughts on this and I should write it mm. down before I hear your answer, out of fairness. I wrote down 70-30, yeah. 70%, 70% who you are yeah. to the client and 30% what you do with the client. But as you were talking and as these ideas developed, I realized you can't be an impactful coach without giving respect to both those parts. And even mm. if you're, you know, you're someone who's particularly inspiring or the way you are with someone is incredible, if you're not doing using techniques in a certain way or you're not applying yourself in a in a mindful or intelligent or intentional way to support them it's going to have a far smaller impact and similarly if you're this incredible incredibly skilled coach with amazing techniques but you're unable to be what the client needs you to be with them Mm. again those techniques aren't going to have the impact so i feel like it can't just be oh yeah you can have this balance because the two feed into each other so much and so i'd also like out of fairness, I've put my numbers out there, but <laughs> I'd also <laughs> happily think, retract them. Yeah, no, I think I, it's interesting that kind of, I think it's because you mentioned about, you know, music, your love of music and radio and things like that. I, I really have this like dial, I need to find out what this thing is called, this dialing up, dialing down thing. Yeah, Again, like when you asked about the age, you know, it's similar to this. I think sometimes the skills are incredibly important um, and sometimes they're less than sometimes. And I think that's something I have learned through Coactive is there's a, a part of the coaching called process coaching, which is slightly more towards the therapy end. It's not therapy, but it's, it's, it's about how you just with someone, um, sometimes in order to get from A to B, you have to kind of go down into the valley or, or high up in the hill, like really, you know, heightened emotions as well. Um, and it's really asking very simple questions, you know, what's here now, for example, like really, really simple and just being with them. Um, so, and that's why I think that's what keeps my interest in coaching is that there's always more to learn and there's different things to try with different people and some things work beautifully and some things are a bit like, Ugh. and then, mm-hmm. but it gives someone something to push back on or to say, no, it's not that it's this, you know? And uh, so it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a very dynamic way of working. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we love it. And that's part, mm. a big part of why we love it. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, that feels like such a fitting place to end things. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome, everybody, to the Mo Pod Ventures, where we do get into some specifics, but on the deep questions, yeah, we'll often find that there aren't clear, objective, uh, graspable answers, and we're getting into nuanced musings or considerations to support us. A big thanks to Kat, and I also missed shouting out to Tony, who got mentioned here, who trained so many of the people mm. in the Mo community, having been one of the trainers at Mo um, for so many years and having run so many training courses. And we'll see you all in next month for another episode. Thank you. Alex, Kat. could I do just do one other, a couple of shout outs as well? Just, Please, yeah. I mean, I, I looked up 
my LinkedIn connections with Mo, you know, through Mo, and I had 121. So I was like, I can't name check everyone. So apologies, I'm not name checking everyone. But I did just want to say thank you to Darren Robson and his family for starting mm. Mo, because so many things for me have come through Mo, um, both learning to become a trainer, um, assessor, supervisor, to work opportunities, to the chance to try out climate change coaching events, nature events yeah. with Elizabeth Wainwright. So I just think Mo has got such a beautiful openness to give things a chance. Um, and then to Carol Wilson for gifting the course to Mo, because I think that's been an incredibly generous thing to do. And that is impacting so many people. So there's loads more people I could say hi to, and I love you all. <laughs> but I just wanted to say those two people in particular, a big thank Brilliant. you. Yeah, thank you for highlighting that. And just for those of you that don't know, Carol Wilson developed a coaching course uh, that Mo uses and gifted it to Mo to use as part of their social good mission as a charity. Awesome. Thank you and catch you next time. And that concludes another Mo Podventures. What an episode. I really, really enjoyed the conversation there about how much of yourself is part of the coaching journey it's definitely something that I'm considering in my current training as well it would be great to hear your thoughts on um, what you think makes a coach how much of a percentage is based upon you as a person how much is based upon your skills uh, we love hearing all about different people's perspectives and we would love to invite anyone that would like to come and join us on the podcast. If you'd like to be a podcast guest, then please do get in touch with one of the team. You could email me at maisie at mofoundation.com. That's M-A-I-S-I-E at mofoundation.com. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time. Now, this is a message for anybody who thinks that life coaching might be the right calling for you, but you're not sure how to attract new clients. So on the 17th of April, we will be having our next Mo Digital Academy. Keely Vuong White, the founder of Kia Ora Coaching, is going to be talking to us about how to attract clients as a new life coach, a 90 minute long introduction to marketing. Now, she's had a fantastic life and has spent 15 years in international corporate marketing and has also learned a thing or two about setting up a business and she's also done her coaching with the Mo Foundation so she's going to be running a fantastic workshop we hope to see you there if you're interested and you'd like to register then please find more information on our website that's mofoundation.com forward slash calendar thanks so much and we will see you there